Tonight's guest is somebody that I have some strong familiarity with. Uh, he and I used to, I guess, for lack of a better term, bang heads up here in New England in the Northeast. Jason King uh, was the former head coach of Franklin Pierce University, a perennial division NCAA Division II powerhouse located in Ringe, New Hampshire, when I was a Division Three head coach. And uh, I even sent him a few, uh, let's call talented players his way, when I exited the college uh, coaching fraternity to uh, spend some time to be a dad and watch my sons uh, navigate their uh, their high school and subsequently their college experience. So Jason and I have been friends for, for many, many years. Uh, Jason is now the head coach at Dayton University, uh, located obviously in Dayton, Ohio. He's been there for five years, I believe is this is his fifth year. Uh, I want to welcome you, Jason. If you can turn off your uh, your turn on your microphone and say hello to everybody, that would be great. You got it. Thanks, Walter. Thank, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, you did send me a couple extremely talented players, and as a result, I think that next year um, we went forty nine and nine with the help of those couple guys. So I appreciate that. I appreciate your friendship, and uh, appreciate you having me on tonight. Well, you're very, very welcome. I want to get started by um, by letting people know. We're going to kind of start there, uh, Jay, is that, you know, a lot of times we do discussions with college coaches and I kind of dive into, you know, the season a little too quickly. So I want to step back a little bit. You know, we as parents, and you're a parent, I know uh, you, your, your son, I can remember speaking with you about your son with regard to travel ball and the whole kind of path that our, our children took as student athletes we want to think that they're going to be that you know that division one caliber student athlete and so can you kind of start us by talking about the recruiting process take us back to franklin pierce and in those days recruiting the division two student athlete and how hard it really was to get on the field at Franklin Pierce and what it takes to be a college student athlete at the collegiate level so that parents and student athletes can have a good understanding. Well, I think, I think it takes a lot of things, but um, the thing that's just non-negotiable is just the, the work ethic and the love of the game. I think those two things are like, without those two things, it's not going to be something that can last for over a long period of time. And then, you're going to see guys that just aren't committed enough to make the improvements that they need to, no matter at what level um, that they're playing at. But I think that's where it all starts. If, if guys are willing to do the work and they're willing, they're willing to improve and just, just, just never accept, uh, you know, not, not getting better on a daily basis. I think a lot of, a lot of guys could have success, even if they're not like the most talented um, or the, or the best player at that, at that particular time. I think some of that work ethic stuff and um, guys that are just totally committed to finding a way um, can find their can find their way onto teams and then find their way into lineups. Um, yeah, I mean the talent we had at Franklin Pierce is every bit as good as the talent that you know we're seeing on a on a regular basis with the schedule that we play and we play a lot of good teams. So we were we were fortunate to have a lot of really good players and guys that just developed extremely nicely. And I think that, you know, you know, with, with your son and how he went, how he developed and now where he's at, <clears throat> you know, if you get the right athlete and then you get, 
you get them around the right coaches and then they start to dedicate themselves and all the things that they're doing towards getting better at the game of baseball. I think there's no telling how good somebody can get, but um, without the work ethic and the love of the game, it all seems to break down somewhere along the line. So I think that's really key. It's not, it's not the parents love for the game. It's actually the players love for the game that, that matters only Um, because when you get at at whatever collegiate um, level that your, your son could play at, if he's not dedicated in that fashion, we see these guys every single day and you can tell the guys who are, and you can tell the guys that are not. And uh, there's always bumps in the road. And I think that's part of what we need to be good at is just sticking with guys and trying to make them better and thinking about things that you can do to keep improving. But um, I think without those couple traits of the work ethic and then just the will to just get better, um, I think it gets can be pretty difficult no matter what level uh, we're talking about. Because I also coach at Division Three, and it's it's similar there. But um, you know that's that's just my feeling on what you know some of the key things that that you'll need to have success. When you're going out and you're you're starting to recruit a student athlete, at what age are you as a coach? Uh, identifying a student athlete and where are you doing, where does Dayton university do the bulk of their recruiting? Is it off campus or do you do it with, on, with camps and and other events on campus? Yeah, I think everywhere that you could possibly find players, you know, we're in those, those spaces camps are very important, you know, very important. It's the only time that you could have all four coaches lay eyes on a player at the same time. So I think those are extremely helpful. Um, for us, there's, you know, there's a lot of just some key contacts that you develop throughout the years that you can totally rely on and trust that are extremely important. Um, and then, you know, there's just, just digging in the weeds and uh, figuring out who's who and what's what really for us across the country. Um, it, Dayton is a, it's a pretty, pretty awesome place that can attract kids from all over the country and you know, for us, we just we felt we weren't getting the best players from the Midwest, so we just decided to get them from elsewhere. And uh, we we I think we have players from sixteen different states, and a guy from Puerto Rico, a guy from the Dominican. So we love to have that in our locker room, and uh, we're willing to go wherever we need to to find the best players to help us win at the highest level. Is there an, uh, a graduating class that you tend to start with i mean if you could you kind of shed some light on is it freshman sophomore year you're identifying and then trying to get commitments from or what what's your philosophy as a coaching staff with regard to when you're offering student athletes yeah i think it's kind of shifted gears a little bit here with the with the portal and um a lot of good players coming late coming available late uh, the freshmen, I mean, there's always risk in, in freshmen just because if you're going to rely on a lot of freshmen to um, to help you win at an extremely high level, I think that's that's difficult for us because it's just, you know, a lot of times we're not getting the draft pick that just decides to go to college. We're getting the guys that sometimes they might need a year, sometimes they might need a couple years, but some are ready. But I think you have to balance that with – hopefully getting some guys that have an extremely high ceiling that can develop very nicely under, you know, your coaching staff's tutelage. And then um, 
but with the portal and connections and um, good players available that have a, a track record that you can totally trust, I think it's become a lot harder for the for the for the high school guy to land on a Division One roster, especially the guys that are the you know the few last guys that might have got a chance. I think those 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 numbers are starting to dwindle a little, little bit, but. For us, it's you know we're 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 in in pretty good shape with the twenty three class, and then um, starting to work on uh, the twenty four class. So that's kind of what our time frame looks like right now. Can you can you explain Jay a little bit about that dynamic? Because you know a lot of we we dance around it a lot, and, and a lot of these um, uh, recruiting consultants or agencies i'm not sure what they're calling themselves i i think this is an under discussed topic with regard to parents of high school student athletes i don't know as if they understand that they're actually competing with not only the portal but the juco's student athletes that are going to be moving from the two-year to the four-year so can you how do you prioritize as a staff you know how you're going to kind of plug in you know a now player from the portal or the juco versus a developmental high school student athlete how do you separate that as a staff yeah for us um we want we want to balance but at the same time we don't want to get caught with a team that's just too young to be able to win i think the only way that you can truly win uh year in year out i think there's two ways one if you can get the cream of the crop high school player that's just ready as soon as they step on campus which some schools can, and we get very good high school players. Um, but, you know, to, to compete as a freshman, you're talking about a pro-level type guy almost immediately. Um, so that's that's one way. But for us, um, it's really a, just a matter of need. And a lot of times it comes down, like now is kind of a, a pretty good time as it relates to recruiting just because we're, um, you know, we're 17 games in. And we've got to see a lot of the pitchers. Um, we've had some injuries, so some of the younger guys have gotten a chance to play. So we've been able to evaluate them probably more than we w- we would have if some injuries didn't happen. So now we're starting to figure out what are the needs. And usually around this time, when there are needs that arise, you know, either you're filling that with a junior college guy, or you're filling it with um, a, uh, a a four year transfer. So. But I think there has to be some balance just because if a guy is at a junior college and he's, you know, he's a 10th round talent, well, chances are good he's not going to show up on your campus. But I'd still, I'd still, you know, want to be able to say, you know, like at Franklin Pierce, we had a fourth round draft pick, a fifth round draft pick, a sixth round draft pick. So if you can get him at a place like that and develop him there, we should be able to do the same thing here. But it's very difficult to get a junior college guy or even a portal guy that um, is going to end up being like that high of a pick. So I still, I still want to have that option, but at the same time, I think you just need to be smart about um, who's going to be ready and who's not. Cause we, you know, we are trying to win at a high level year in, year out. Well, as, as you discuss that and I look at your schedule and I know the type of schedule that you've always tried to maintain, which was very aggressive, how do you get student athletes? And I guess secondarily, how do you get parents to understand 
the dynamic as a high school player coming in that there's some developmental time period that needs to take place. How, how do you get those players to kind of buy in to say, okay, you know, you're a high school guy coming in as a freshman and you're a sophomore, you're still getting strength, you're still learning the game without them wanting to bounce and, and hit the transfer portal? Yeah, I think um, I think the parents have a lot to do with that. Um, it's, it's um, you know, we're fortunate. There's a lot, we have a lot of good people around our program. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it's hard. It's hard to be a Division I student athlete, first of all, in any sport, um, as a freshman, for sure. And then you're playing, you're playing one of the toughest games that has a lot of failure associated with it. So there's just a lot to it. So the guys that are able to handle that, they're mature beyond their years and probably have been um, prepared in a way that is uncommon um, to have success as a freshman. Now, the ones that, from my perspective, that, and I think it goes back to what we talked about first, the ones that can just keep showing up on the bad days, the good days, the in-between days, the ones that can continue to show up, and if you have coaches that are relentless, I think, I think um, you know, the, a, fresh, a good, really good freshman can be on the field sooner than later. But if you start mixing in some immaturity and then um, you got guys that need some work on different things, you know, then it, then it can take um, – then the learning curve can be a little bit more. But I think as guys arrive on campus, obviously when you recruit them as high school players, you're thinking that at some point they're going to be good. And then when they get there, there's definitely a dose of reality that, like, wait, there's, like, a whole bunch of other guys that are really good, and they all want to play too, and they're competitive, and the coaches are competitive. So, like, you know, it's just uh, a matter of just getting over some of those hurdles, some mental, some physical, and then uh, just sticking to it. I think that's the biggest thing. Let's talk about the physical hurdles because this is often a sticking point that I think that a lot of parents don't learn soon enough to to make their children involved in it soon enough. The strength component required to play college baseball, regardless of the division, but more importantly at that Division One level, you know, the, the good body versus the not ready body. Can uh-huh. you talk about how you kind of – emphasize or get student athletes to understand that dynamic and when you try to get them to understand it before they get to your campus? Yeah, I think, um, so obviously, you know, when we evaluate a player and we try to, you know, we, we try to give them some recommend recommendations on what they need to do to improve, to be able to help us on the field sooner than later, the physical side is almost always involved. There's, there's usually maybe, When you're talking about, you know, freshmen, there's usually guys that, whether it's just not big enough, too skinny, um, need to put on weight. Like there's there's a lot of things that can kind of can kind of hold the guy back. I think the skills are extremely important, but if a guy comes in and he's not strong, he's gonna be and he's gonna be making up a lot of a lot of time based on not being strong just to catch up 
to some of the guys that have been with our strength coach for three or four years. So if you're behind physically, um, it's, it's a longer road to hoe for sure, unless your skills are just uh, refined tremendously. So my son is, is, a, is probably a, sometimes a better example than because you see it like firsthand and you, you saw it as well. And, you know, Eric Cressy out there with him and the stuff that they did, you know, it's, it's, it can be miraculous and like totally game changing as it relates to what a player looks like, what, what their measurables look like. And that obviously matters a lot. Um, so it's, it's of the utmost, utmost importance to me. There's like three things that, it's just a must, you know, if a guy's going to be able to contribute early. One is they have to have the mental capacity to not give up and to go through some struggles and get through it. Two, they need to be physical and they need to be strong. And then three, they have to have the uh, physical skill set to get out there and do the things you need to do on a baseball field. But it's of the utmost importance. So when you're starting your – when you as a coaching staff begin to interact with the student-athletes, where does social media play with regard to your either A, evaluation, or B, kind of uh, uh, when you're gathering intel or doing recon on a student-athlete, where does social media play with regard to that process? So there's definitely some stuff that, you know, you're, you, know you scroll through and you see that you like and maybe get involved in some guys. Um, based on what you see there, I don't. I'm not one of the co- one of those coaches that's looking to put an X through someone instead of unless it's just like like an unforgivable type of type of mistake. I mean, for me, and you know my background and what Franklin Pierce looks like and that sort of thing. But I just I just consider like a a good coach to be developmental, and it's not just based on. Um, the actual baseball side it's actually based on the human being side so there's like a process to making people better and like you know if they do make mistakes to kind of figure out learn from it how to be better and then maybe that guy's the best guy you've ever had um, at some point so I don't really look into it like a private investigator I'm not like that kind of guy I try to um, look at the look at the bright side as it relates to to, to, to young people and then see what kind of impact I can make. Is it a guy that I'm going to be able to really get a hold of and teach him the things that he's going to need to be a better player and a better person? Or is it going to be always a fight to kind of achieve those things? So that's, that's really kind of what my, my mindset is as it relates to social media stuff, unless it's just, stuff that you're worried about if they get to campus making a similar mistake. Those guys, there's just no room to add those guys regardless of, um, you know, what their playing ability is. So you just get your guys onto campus and, you know, I want to kind of take parents and student athletes from the fall into the spring. Now I know you have an aggressive spring schedule every year, but in the fall, uh, in light of the new uh, draft and follow uh, rules with the MLB, is, is this something that you feel will have an effect in any capacity with regard to, you know, maybe your 21-year-old sophomore or junior that may get drafted, it gets to go back to school, gets followed? I mean, is that something that you find will be a topic uh, 
that you'll have to cover at some point with regard to your Dayton student athletes? As far as um, in, in what way? In the draft and fall, do you, do you feel that that'll be something that'll affect college baseball with regard to guys kind of sticking around and, and while the major league teams, uh, you know, have the ability to follow them for a year and then, you know, draft and sign that type of thing. Will that have any effect on uh, your student athletes that either A, are currently at Dayton or B, coming in from, say, a junior college program or something like that? That's yeah. a question from a parent. I think it could. Um, you know, the colleges are getting so good at what they do. It's like, I mean, you want to talk about developmental um, – programs and like you see these coaches and they're making a lot of money to be in college and the facilities are getting better and the, whatever you know you're even at our level like we tell our guys is like whatever you need to get better we'll get it like within with you know within reason but it's true it's like um the developmental side and you know how how coaches are getting after it i think because of that um my feeling is if you if you have those type of resources and then you always willing to do right by by players it, it's always going to work out positively in the end now there there are times where it doesn't but that's just kind of like my feeling on that but i think the other thing is um you know the less on someone's mind the better uh so if you have this tag, I think you see it sometimes in high school draft picks. You know, you got a guy who's a high school draft pick, and then they show on campus, and they kind of they're pulling around a little more weight than they than they usually would if maybe they didn't get drafted. So I don't know. It just really just depends on the player, and it depends on what type of coaches are at the school they're at. I think we obviously anything that comes up, if you're not if you're not willing to pivot and move, um, I mean, you're gonna end up end up being behind so no matter what comes up it's a matter of knowing that it's there and then figuring out a ways to navigate it um basically to affect your program in a positive manner with regard to you know you look at the college scoreboard i mean you were in at michigan this weekend you got Tulane coming up this upcoming weekend i mean college baseball now it's not so much they used to be termed upsets, but we, we, we can't call them upsets anymore. Can you talk to, I don't want to call it parody, but the equalizing kind of landscape of college baseball. It's almost as if on any given day, based on depth, you know, division, any division one program can compete with another division one program. It didn't used to be that way, but it's more so today. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit about the uh, consistency or of all the student athletes across the division one landscape? Yeah, I think it just goes back to kind of what I was alluding to before is, you know, it's not just it's not just the coaches that are at SEC schools and ACC schools. I mean, they're, some some of the best coaches you'll run across are the ones that you might never have heard of. Um, and then also, you know, when you get when you get to run into, you know, like we played Michigan last weekend, you know, those guys, um, they do it. They just do an incredible job. I mean. Brandon Inge is a first base coach. I think he was a 10-year 10, 10 big leaguer. I coached him when he was down the Cape, you know, 25 years ago. I mean, he's sitting down there as their first base coach as a volunteer. So it's like, you know, there is – I mean, the coaching is just um, – it's it's a whole, it's at a whole other level across the board, not just at a place like Michigan or, um, you know, the schools that are, have the brand name. So – and the players – if you if you're good at developing players, the 
the players that we get are that you know they might not be have a lot of options in the ACC or SEC, but if you get the right guys and they want to get better and you get them around the right coaches, they can catch up to that guy that's the high profile guy real quick. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing um, across the country, and I think it's a beautiful thing. When you're recruiting pitchers, are you projecting what they'll they're capable of being, or do you need now arms? And this comes from a parent of a pitcher whose whose son is a junior left-handed pitcher throwing eighty-two to eighty-four. In other words, is there a projection based on what they will become, or is it what they're doing presently? I think it's both. I think you need a. I need you need you need guys that no doubt that are going to be able to get college division one college hitters out, which it takes a certain, takes a certain um, repertoire of pitches to allow that to happen. So it's, it, you can't just roll in there with a low eighties fastball and below average breaking ball, breaking ball and, and no change up and expect to have results. That's just not happening. So I think that there is room for the developmental guy, but it has to be, uh, like for for us, I mean, I, I think if you're you're afraid to dream on players, you never really can find that guy that is either like a late bloomer or um, just had the the never ending will to um, be a good player. I, I think if 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 you always shrug those guys off, I don't think you can ever find the guy that nobody liked that. Next thing you know is a draft pick or an All-American. But, you know, with that being said, um, we all know how important pitching is. And when you don't have it, the other stuff doesn't matter. And so because of that, I think you need more guys that are ready. Or you need to make sure you have enough guys that are ready. And then if, when you're in those situations where you feel good like that, I think it allows opportunity to add guys that you can dream on a little bit. But if not, um, the room for error is smaller, and then the room to dream is is uh, probably offered on less guys. When you're recruiting student-athletes for Dayton University, are you relying more on your network of people that you trust as evaluators, or are you communicating with student-athletes that you've seen whether it be at showcases or tournaments, et cetera. I guess the question from the parent is, how do you feel it's best to get a student athlete in front of Dayton if you have not seen them play? Got it. Um, well, I think um, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know how other coaches do, do business, but if someone gets in contact with me, that they'll get a response, and then it's just a matter of how bad do they want to get in front in front of us. That's really what it comes down to. Now, I know of plenty of coaches that don't handle things like that. Um, but that's just the way that, that we approach it. So I think if, I mean, the easiest way to be sure that you're going to get in front of the coaching staff is to go to a prospect camp like that. There's no way that the head coach won't be there. And there's most places the other, the other three coaches will be there as well. So that's, that's a slam dunk, no brainer. Um, you know, the other way is just to be, it's really comes down to being in the right tournaments, being in the right 
right uh, spot at the right time and then generating some interest interest prior to um you know the time when we're going to be out seeing a lot of games which is basically you know june june to september do you follow any specific travel ball organizations or do you just go to events and tournaments and obviously your your camps that you have there is that how you rely to get most of your student athletes with regard to high school recruiting i guess the question from the parent is do you only follow certain teams or do you follow anybody that shows up at the tournament that catches your eye um i mean <laughs> it's a it's a it's a crazy question probably a way way longer answer than i'm going to give you but just going back to your previous question like the networking is 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 absolute key so there's I mean, I, I write down, you know, I have a list of like key contacts where I, I try to check in with those people all the time. And if they have a player that they say um, is a guy we want, it's, it's, it's like how fast can we get them? So those guys are the most important because a lot of times if you trust them to that level, they're going to know, they're going to know years worth of information instead of one tournament or, one high school season they're gonna know they're gonna know what makes that person tick so that's primary um but just just kind of answering you know what you just said is um it's just a matter of um generating enough interests for someone to put your name down as someone that you have to see i mean that's that's really what it comes down to a lot of times We'll go to, uh, like, some of the bigger tournaments, the Fort Myers, things like that, and you have a list of guys. And, you know, once you check off those guys, then it's just a matter of, you know, what catches your eye. And you know how this goes. But it doesn't take you long to kind of – you could go to any game. And, you know, a coach that's been around for a little bit and has an eye for a talent, you could scan a field and – know if there's a player on there that's worth following and it won't take you very long to figure that out. Well, I know, I know how you do do things, but I'm trying to make sure that parents understand. I'd like you to kind of go back to that when you're, when you're conducting a camp, how important that you feel that is. I think that's becoming almost the central theme to every kind of coach that we speak to is that they're really relying on, getting to camps, letting us as a staff evaluate. And then we, they want to see, or I'm sure you want to see when the lights are on, the scoreboards on, yep. how they're performing in a game. But if you can just speak to the importance of actually seeing a student athlete that attends your camp and then going to see them perform and, and the, the need to see that, meaning it's yep. not just go up off of analytics and you see a guy, you know, posting 93s and 4s. You want to see how that plays and how they're mixing in secondaries, et cetera. I think that's some value for parents to understand. It's when the scoreboard's on that really matters for evaluation. Yeah, so at the camps, um, if there are the occasions where it's just like, wow, this guy this guy showed up and he's 6'4 and he's 89 to 92 and his breaking ball looks good. You know, there are those times where just the skill set is – you know, you don't need to see a lot more besides what the skill set is. I'm still a firm believer, and I know 
you know, people talk about showcase players and things like that, and I get that. But I'm a guy that likes to see the tools at the camps. Um, A lot of times it's not enough on that given day unless we have a background on the player or you've already seen him play um, in a game. And then maybe it's just a matter of checking a box to get him to commit. Um, Other times, you know, seeing a guy that's at the camp will provoke you to go see him live in a game. But the if you're there and any coach that's – I think coaches are pretty good when it comes to camps to making sure that we give these guys what they came there for. So that if, if, they, if they're at your camp, you know, your job is to evaluate them. So that happens. And I could say that, you know, almost any camp that's run, that happens because there's a lot riding on those camps and doing a good job, not just finding players, but – there's other things to it. Um, but it's a guarantee that your guys are going to lay eyes on you. And the other thing that's really important for parents is finding out where these guys are at and finding out where, where your son is as far as um, what's, what are the measurables. And then are they interested? Are they not interested? And then you can kind of gauge what's going on and then make a plan from there. But, um, it's really important, and I think it's a guaranteed way of um, getting in front of the coaches and, and around the players and around, you know, assistant coaches so that we can all get a feel for each other. The other thing that's extremely important is if someone's on your campus, they're somewhat interested. So someone took the time to get there. They, um, they spent money to participate in the camp. So – if you see a guy and he's pretty good and he's sitting right there, that's a pretty good feeling. So um, I would I would say, you know, obviously not go to every single camp that's out there, but the schools that have your interest um, that maybe haven't uh, seen seen a player yet, I think that's that's a good place to start and then kind of see where it goes from there. Can you talk about measurables? So you know, we as as parents. You know, we hear these terminologies, tools, measurables, analytics, metrics, et cetera. You know, for the most part, parents aren't scouts. So when you're evaluating, let's start with, like, say, catchers, infielders. What is some of the the tools that you're looking to see a student athlete demonstrate that would make them attractive to you as a coaching staff? So, you know, obviously with, you know, the position players, the infielders and the outfielders, I mean, you, I mean I'm mean, i looking for everything. I mean, we, we you know, I, I like to call them freaks. Um, and that's a guy that can – got a really good arm. He can run. He can hit. He can hit for some power. Um, he's got a little build to him. Like every single position on that field, we're looking for that. Um, and if someone is lacking one of those things, you know, a lot of times – you know, we're going to want to see if there's somebody we can get that has all of those things. And do we always get guys that have every single tool? No, we don't, because some guys can play above their tools. Um, but we're looking for those things. Obviously, if you're a first baseman, we're looking for a guy that can drive the ball um, and have some size. And then catching, you know, catching is one of the positions that's um, – it's there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And some of it's physical, but a lot of it's just like – you know, the, the blue collar side and, um, 
you know, the, how much can they make the staff better? Like there's a lot that goes into evaluating that besides just pop times and things like that. But from a pitching perspective, what does the arm look like? How does it work? What's the breaking ball like? Um, what's the velocity like? And then I think from a pitching perspective, I think, you know, you know this cause you coached and you had good pitchers and sometimes probably not so, not so good pitchers, but if the, if a guy can't strike people out and, and he walks, if a, and he walks guys, there's no chance that I would take ever take a guy like that. So for me, I want a guy that can strike some people out and I want a guy that's not going to walk very few guys. And I think anytime you get a guy that can do that, it will play, it will play up when they get to the next level. Well, I think for a, a lot of parents that are joining us tonight that we, they hear so much as far as, the analytics, the rap soto, all this technology that gets thrown at them. But at the end of the day, you as a coaching staff or we as a scouting community, we want to see student athletes that are able to compete mm-hmm. and have good results uh, with regard to low walks and, and obviously yeah. competing in a strike zone. Can you talk to the caliber of play with regard to the A-10? Because I, a lot of parents – you know, we talk power five and, you know, we've had Liberty on, we have East Tennessee with Pinsy tomorrow. Can you just talk about the, the A-10 as a whole up and down? It's a strong conference and just speak to the teams that you play and the caliber of schedule that, that Dayton is playing year after year. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, 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 it's an extremely good conference. I mean, obviously, you know, VCU has been the, kind of the gold standard and uh, over the past probably decade. Um, and I think, you know, we've, we've done a nice job as far as, you know, we lost in the conference finals um, one time to VCU and one time to Fordham um, over the last two years. Um, so we've, we've figured out, we, we, I think we don't worry necessarily about what others have. I think we more focus on, what do we think we need to look like in order to be the best team in the league? But we're not, we're not just trying to do that. Like, you know, we're trying to be able to go into wherever we're going and, and win ball games. So that's really the ultimate goal. And if you fall short of that, then maybe, maybe you're just good enough to win the league, but the league is very competitive. A lot of really good schools, um, a lot of exceptional players. Um, and you know, it's, I think one thing I would say about it is extremely competitive. And I think everything we do always goes back to that. Like if you compete at a, at a, at a high level as an individual and then as a group, there's, there's no telling what can be accomplished. But there are a lot of good teams in the league. I think there's over the last six or seven years, there's been two teams advanced to a super regional. So it's a, it's a very good conference. And, um, you know, anyone that gets a chance to play in that league um, – you know, it's a it, kudos to them because it's a strong league. Okay, quick question from a parent who wants to know if you do you as a coaching staff consider players that are two way guys, or is that something that you uh, frown upon and you want pitchers to pitch and hitters to hit? Uh, we do. Um, we like guys that can. Uh, we like two way guys. A lot of times, it's not you know the guys we've had at Dayton. Um, a lot of them have chosen to do one or the other over the span of time. I think there's benefit. There's obviously benefit to having a very, 
uh, good two-way player. Obviously, you get like almost like a two-for-one as far as the roster is concerned. Like the way we approach it is basically um, if a guy's a two-way guy, he needs to be better than the other guys that are just doing one thing. So if they're if it's not that, they, they almost turn into a one-way guy anyway. So, But if they're, you know, like obviously we had the Reno boys um, and one, you know, Keith was a two-way guy and he was one of our best pitchers and he was one of our best hitters. So he's in there every day and he's doing everything he can to help us win. I think now those guys are few and far between. I think they show up less um, and there definitely is advantages to focusing on one when you get to college. It's just a, it's just a time element of getting the work done that you need to. As a two-way player, I want to talk about the Renos real quick because I get asked all the time about being a Division three coach and the caliber of student-athlete. And I tell parents all the time, and I want you to touch on this as a, as a coach that's familiar with the New England student-athlete. We have a few New England parents and student-athletes listening. Would you not agree that brothers Kevin and Keith were probably Division one caliber student-athletes Yep. That, you know, went from division three to division two, but not all division three players are not, they're, they're talented. So it's not a label, you know? And so could you just discuss that student athletes, regardless of, you know, where they start, you know, at a high school program, they can develop and turn into elite college baseball players, regardless of the division. Could you just talk a little bit about that? as a division two coach moving on to the division one level. Yeah. Keith and Kevin Reno, obviously they played for you at Becker and then, you know, they came over and, and, uh, and were with me. I mean, those, like when you, when you say the word freak, I mean, you like, you put those guys right underneath, you start, you start the list with guys like that. I mean, you're talking about guys that can do anything they want to on a baseball field. And obviously they're, you know, they, they started off for Becker for, for, you know, for many different reasons, but, um, there are great players everywhere. And I think that's the coolest thing about baseball. And part of it has to do with the, you know, like you, you mentioned about games being closer against big programs and smaller programs. And, um, you know, you see guys uh, at all levels and I've seen this and I've been fortunate to be around a lot of these guys. Um, the will to be good and, the coaches that are determined to develop players is a scary, scary thing in the game of baseball. And I think there are more players that want to be good. There are, there are better coaches that are relentless in the developmental process. So I think you're seeing it at every level. And like I mentioned before, I think in my span of 18 years at Franklin Pierce, I think we had 26 or 27 draft picks. So that just tells you everything that you need to know. And um, if it's done right, you know, at any level, there's very good players all over the place. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to get on a field. It doesn't matter if it's Division One, Division Two, or Division Three. Like, you can get in a dugout. But if you're trying to get on a field, that takes a it – takes, it takes a lot of dedication, and it takes skill, and it takes hard work to make that happen. It's not easy. On that topic – Late bloomers tend to come from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Can can you speak to the, is there a place within college baseball for the late bloomer, the, 
the junior that kind of comes of age entering their senior fall, the, you know, the, the rising senior it, or do they have to go to the Juco route? A question from a parent is their son is six foot three, throws 87, 88 from the left side, just finding his body. Sure. He's currently a high school senior. Can you speak? Is there opportunities within college baseball for that type of student athlete, or are they best to do a post-grad year, or a JUCO year? How, how do they find their way to a school like Dayton is the question from the parents. Yeah, I think the options that you mentioned are very good options. Obviously, like doing a gap year or doing a post-grad year, that can, that can help springboard some guys. I think the JUCO right is always good, but um, – if, if you're talking about a late bloomer that's just, um, you know, has developed into a guy that can be at the Division One level, to me it comes down to, okay, are they good enough to be on a roster or are they actually good enough to jump in and be better than, you know, the recruits that you already have? I think if it's a guy that's developed to the point where they're, they're going past some of the recruits that you already have, then, yes, there's absolutely room for a guy like that. I think for me, one of the biggest things is passing up on a guy that's good and maybe better than what you have. And I think that's across the board at, in the, at most places at the Division One level. So I think if it's the development has happened to that level where the guy is better than the recruits you already have committed in that class, and I would say yes. If he's as good or maybe not quite as good, but still a Division One caliber player, but more of a guy that's on a roster, I would say no. I would say that the other options would probably be smarter than trying to force the Division One. Now, you as a Northeast guy know the significance or the caliber of play at a post-grad school. For those parents that are from the West Coast or down South, could you just speak to the you know that gap year, as you called it, but that post-grad year? And, and and what that can do for a student athlete to get them on your radar if they take advantage of that post grad year. Yeah, so it, it almost it, you know in a lot of ways it just it just um, it's like a refresh it's like a refresh button so you just click it and if the guy has done like a crazy amount of work whether it be on the skills or whether it be on the strength like you can when you click it it looks different. Um, and if it's done right, like a guy that, you know, goes to, um, uh, you know, takes that extra year in between, it can, you, it can be like from a boy to a man. But I think that it, it has to be like guys that have either the skill set development side that they need or the strength side. The ones that are just good, solid players to me going to a, uh, you know, like doing a prep year is it's not you're going to refresh the, you're going to refresh it and it's going to look similar and then you're going to be in the same situation you were before but you know for the guys that you know they need to put on 20 pounds and then they do wow can that look totally different or they just need to get a few more at bats or figure out how to go strike throw strikes wow that can really look a lot different and then totally springboard you into something that you would never have been able to do if you went um straight from high school but I think a true evaluation on that you know you know guys like you and guys like me we can see that but I think it, it needs to be some from someone that totally gets it the ones that are trying to bring people into a prep school they're just 
they're trying to get players. So I think the eval would need to come from like a person that's not in the middle of it and more just like a talent evaluator uh, with knowledge. Okay, I'm going to touch on that because I, I find that a lot of parents are never truly given a true evaluation of their son as a student athlete, both current skill sets and projectable skill sets. So yeah. unless you're the, unless you have access to a guy like Butch, a major league scout, a former major league scout, or college coach, et cetera, how do you recommend parents and student athletes get that evaluation? And, and more importantly, when should they be getting it? Meaning it should really be done, you know, right before that freshman year to say, here's where you're deficient. Here's where you're projectable. You know, can you kind of enlighten parents like where to go, who to trust and, and how to get that evaluation done properly? Yeah. So like you mentioned, you know, kids involved in a, in a, in a program and, you know, he's on a travel ball team and, you know, the last thing someone's going to say is you can't do this. You can't do that. Uh, and I don't think we're in the business of limiting people. But I do think we have to be in the business of being honest. And I think sometimes the honest evaluation can lead to, like, really good things. So, obviously, getting around someone like yourself, um, you know, um, one of the best things that I think we do is, as it relates to our camp is not only are we, um, not only are we running guys through and then, you know, looking at them and, working with them and, and, you know, doing all those things. But the biggest thing for me is the evaluation. So I'd say freshman year, yes, you roll someone through. What's the 60 time? What's the arm strength? Um, what's the Rapsodo stuff, if they have that? Like, collect all that and use it. Okay, where is this guy at? If, if they're not getting a call right then and there, then they know, okay, maybe um, he's not at this level right now. But it doesn't mean that they can't get there. Um, the ones that are being recruited as freshmen, those are the guys that are a lot of times either they have an arm that's just like a golden arm that's just built differently or it's a um, position player with either a crazy, crazy skill set as a young age or just like an incredible amount of strength. So if your son is not one of those things, give him a minute to um, see where, where he's at right around the freshman year time and then figure out what he's capable of getting to. Like, does he need to put on 30 pounds? Um, does he need to lose weight? Does he need to make his skills better? So I think it just really totally depends on the guy, but I think starting freshman year, just to kind of get a feel for where you're at is important. And then any coach that runs a prospect camp, if a, if a kid, I get emails all the time, like, hey, what did you think? Do you think I can play at Dayton? Um, and I'll tell them straight up, hey, you know, most of our infielders run a 6'8", or, you know, most of our arms are, you know, 87, 88, and, some, you know, some guys low 90s. I'll try to give them a, something to shoot for, but also um, some reality, too, at the same time. But I think that's a great way to get some feedback because a coach – is going to give you an honest assessment. And if he takes the time to do that, that I think that's as real as it can get. Um, as well as, you know, I think a lot of times there, there's incredible people out there that want to help players like you do. They're, they're the best ones. I mean, they're the best ones. The guys that have no skin in the game, 
they're just in it for the for the love of of kids and baseball. Those are some of the most beautiful people out there. So I'm going to bookmark this because you you absolutely hit the nail on the head. And I wish more parents, and I hope more parents, find their way, uh, and I will see to it that they do. It's that evaluation piece that is missing within this landscape of travel baseball. And I think it's, it's at a critical component to allow student-athletes to have more access to play college baseball. And, and, and if, if I could ask you as a college coach, what would you like to see different with regard to the entire process? Meaning, you know, would there be NCAA regulations that you can't have verbal commitments? I mean, what would kind of enhance the overall product and, more importantly, process if you could wave a wand and kind of make some rule changes, could you just kind of shed some light on that if you had a perfect world for Dayton University and Coach King? Yeah, I think just access to players and more time to, like, get to them. It's, you know, like we all try to do – like anyone that's in this business for a long time, we're all trying to really just do right by young men, I mean, and their families. Like, that's really what it's about. And then – but a lot of times you just can't see everybody. And a lot of times they all can't get to your camp. And, you know, it's just there's so much that goes into being a college baseball coach that if you really break it down and you're trying to do, like, an incredible job for everyone involved, it is, it is a daunting task. Um, and it's like any other job is you can make it as easy as you want if you want to. But, you know, if you're trying to do it right, it's like um, – it's a challenge every day. And um, for me, one of the biggest things that I would love to see is at the Division Two level, we used to be able to have tryouts. So we could just bring a guy on campus and would say, hey, be here at 12 and run him through like a 45-minute to an hour workout. And then, hey, man, this is what you got. This is what we saw. And then that guy moves on. I probably did that in my career at Franklin Pierce a thousand times. And, you know, people appreciate it. They appreciate you spending the time with them, and it's easy for us to do it. A lot of times it's easy for the parents to get, get, get people there. So I think that is an absolute no-brainer um, across the board. Right now, Division Two is the only um, level that they allow that. But, you know, the process is what it is, and we do the best we can with it. But I think that's one that could – even if, even if it affected 20 people positively as far as finding the right school and getting the right evaluation, if you, if you times that by, you know, 300 schools at the Division I level, but you also put, them all, put all the other schools in there, you're talking about thousands and thousands of kids that could benefit from something like that with no, absolutely no cost. Um, so that's one thing that I would love to see happen. So – what, what I want to let parents know is Coach King is probably one of the most honest, candid, direct college coaches you'll ever come into contact with. And one of the things that I love about Jay is the relationships that he has with his not only his current players, but his former players. And can you talk, Jay, a little bit about off baseball in the, the development of – young men meaning you know 
then when they graduate, they become part of the professional business community. They become uh, involved in relationships, not only with within their family, but new families that they begin to start. Can you talk about now having the ability to look back and talk to students that are in their 40s and late 30s and having children, what that means to you as a college coach? Yeah, well, I mean, to me, I mean, everyone's different, but like to me, it means everything. Um, you know, and a lot of times, you know, like, like, you know, like I mentioned is, you know, you, you have things that just matter and you, you have to decide what's important. And obviously winning is important. There's no doubt about it. And, and I don't, I don't shy away from that. Like I, I want to win and I want to win at the highest level, but I want to do it like, right. And like to my right, it might be different than someone else's right. Um, so if my right is um, get guys to commit like a hundred percent. So our thing is like coaches are going to give you everything we have, like every bit of what we have, and then you're going to do the same. And I think that's extremely important work ethic. I mean, if you're just a hard worker in today's society, you got a real shot. Um, and it's just an absolute non-negotiable. And then the compete side of it is also like falls into that same category. But, the you know, my best friends in this world are guys that played for me. A lot of them are still coaches. Some of them are college coaches. But those are the type of relationships that we have. I mean, it's just uh, it le- like I tell my players is this is it's not just about baseball. Like if you're to me, and I don't know if a lot of coaches want to do this because it's, you know, there's a huge investment in it, but it's personal. Like coaching is personal. Like um, it's, it it isn't just about winning. It's about what effort did you put out? And it's caring way more than just about someone as a baseball player. So we talk about that stuff nonstop. Like what would this look like if you did this? when you weren't a baseball player and you're out in the real world, would it look good or would it look bad? And then you combine that with all the lessons that you learn from playing a game that's extremely difficult. Um, I think it can be a beautiful thing. And um, I know for me, those relationships are everything. I mean, it's just, there's nothing better. And there's nothing better than seeing people succeed and do well and grow. And at a place, at a place like Franklin Pierce, where guys had a lot of room to grow, I mean, the reward is um, so more significantly um, better than you know any time that you you know missed fishing or playing golf. I can tell you that. I mean, I can speak to the the when I'm working with parents and speaking with parents, I try to let them understand that in some way when we're recruiting student athletes and then they play for us for those four years, we see your sons become men. And our focus is not just making them the best baseball player. It's about making them the best person. And so every year when it gets to graduation time and your seniors get ready to depart, can you kind of speak to that emotional kind of time period because you've really engaged with a young man from that 18 you know think we know the world to the actual man that leaves campus talk about that dynamic as a college coach when that guy's a senior when he departs your program 
Got it. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably a little bit different as far as, as, as far as how I see that day, like that particular day. Um, like I'm a, I'm huge into the journey of it all. Like the making mistakes, you know, the goofiness of stuff. Um, the ups and the downs of a season, like I'm like way more into that because, and then focusing on that. And then when they get to graduation, I just like, it's like a, it's like a, you know, accumulation of all that, but I'm really more in love with the the actual journey and like the day to day when they get to the end if they if they play me if they play for me for for four years or three years, like I know they're gonna be I know they're gonna do fine. So I don't get emotional about that. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of emotions like expended like over the course of um, you know three or four years or however someone plays for you. It's just um, it's just what we do and how we like to do it. But uh, I think the emotions come in when. You know, you get the cool texts on like, hey, you know, I'm a great dad because of some of the stuff I learned from you. And do you remember this? Do you remember when you said this and did this? And it could be the dumbest and goofiest thing. But, you know, those are the things those are things, you know, that they remember. And, you know, they appreciate all that. And when they're grown and have families and, you know, they they remember those things and they cherish those things and they appreciate what you did for them. I mean, what? What better thing in the world could there be than that? Well, I agree with that tremendously, and I and I know you personally, and I know what that means to you as both a, a coach and, and a mentor. So I, I, I hope more parents understand and they have a better understanding, especially after listening to you tonight, what the process is in its entirety. I have a lot of parents that are really excited about Dayton, and I know a bunch of them that are down south that I'm, letting them know that if they want to kind of come in and meet and greet, you're going to be in uh, the great city of new Orleans this weekend. And I know yes, you're going sir. to have some, some crawfish. And I, I think I'm taking a flight down there. Oh, and, let's uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. I heard uh, crawfish is uh, on the menu. So I got to come down there for a little boil action. Well, but I, be, um, it'd be great to see you. Yeah. No. And I'm going to get a Dayton hat and a BP Jersey. So uh, we I got to get that taken care of. I want to let everybody know that Jason King has been around this, industry for a long time he's one of the best to do it year after year and his teams demonstrate that on and off the field jason i want to say thank you very much to you personally for joining us tonight i wish you nothing but tremendous success not only this year but every year to follow i know parents if they want to kind of send you an email or follow you on social media are you an advocate are you active on social media how would you like so Do you it. say follow and, and send it away. Hashtag Dayton. You just fire at it. You you have no problem with that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm in this business to help people. I mean, if, if I have no problem answering questions, anything like that, anything I get on, you know, emails I get, I respond. So um, if there's any, if someone has taken the time to listen, listen to this, listen to me, like talk gibberish for an hour um, and they, I think they've earned the right. If they have any questions, they can just email me, and uh, I'll give them a straightforward answer. Okay. Well, a lot of parents are asking for your uh, for your contact. I'm just going to say to follow Coach King. 
here on Twitter. Fire him off a direct message, especially if you have a specific question as it relates to your son. I know there's about 10 additional questions, but this is a midweek night for a coach to be with his family, and I want to I don't want to take up a lot of his time. So, Jason, I want to say thank you to you. 